true. His history with this man. Some called him the Son of God. Some said he was a false prophet, blaspheming, guilty, worthy of death. And for Nicodemus, my guess is he reflected back to the very first time that he encountered Jesus. Nicodemus knew Israel's history, and he knew that Jesus of Nazareth was no ordinary teacher. He'd heard about the miracles, he'd heard about the crowds, and so he asked to have an appointment with this Jesus of Nazareth. But he did it at night because he didn't want any of his religious friends to find out about it. See, many of them were afraid of Jesus. Many of them were scared of Jesus. Many of them thought that this Jesus was nothing but trouble. And so Nicodemus went to Jesus at night, and they began to have a discourse, a conversation. And it's this conversation that I want to focus on today as we look at Easter and the grace of God. In the midst of this conversation, Jesus said some incredible truths to Nicodemus. And the first truth was this in John 3, verse 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. My guess is when Nicodemus heard that, he tried to think back to the the history that he'd studied for so many years. He tried to think about maybe some time in Israel's past when they'd been told to be born again. But after a while, Nicodemus can't handle it any longer. And he just says, Jesus of Nazareth, I don't understand. How can someone who is old be born again? Jesus probably chuckled. He said, aren't you Israel's teacher? Don't you know the truth? Don't you know the law? He said, no one is going to see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. On this Easter Sunday morning, I proclaim to you that unless you are born again, unless you are a new creation, it doesn't matter how much religious stuff you do, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. You won't realize hope unless you are born again. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says, if anyone's in Christ, they are born again. They are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is coming. There he stood at the foot of the cross. And those words, I must be born again. You must be born again. We must be born again. Must have rang through his mind. As he stood at the foot of the cross and watched Jesus Christ, who I believe, fully God, fully man, perfect in every way, sinless, as he watched him dying on the cross, he must have also remembered John chapter 3, verse 14. When Jesus looked at him and said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. You didn't think you were going to come to church on Easter Sunday morning and talk about snakes, did you? I've actually got a couple snake handlers. They're going to come down the aisles right now. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. That's an obscure verse of Scripture. 
But for someone like Nicodemus, he knew immediately what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was referring to Israel's past. See, there was a time, it's recorded in your Bible, Numbers chapter 21, the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness. They've been wandering for many years, and they started to grumble. They started to complain. They started to whine. And they said, why didn't we just stay in Egypt? Life was better then. We don't like our sleeping conditions. We don't like the food. There's no water. This is really miserable. And they cried out against Moses, but they cried out against God. And God said, I'll show you. And Numbers 21 says that he sent venomous snakes into their camp. And the snakes were in the tent, and the snakes were all around, and people were being bitten by these snakes, and people were dying because of the poison that went into them. And it's at that point that the Israelites decided maybe we shouldn't have complained so much. Maybe life wasn't quite as bad as we thought it was. And they cried out to God and they said, God, we're sorry. And they cried out to Moses and they said, Moses, help us. And Moses said, God, this one's on you. I don't know what to do. And in kind of a surprising response, God said, I'm going to deliver him. But I want you to do something extreme. I want you to make a snake. Moses made a bronze snake. I want you to attach it to a stick. Moses did just that. And I want you to walk through the camp holding up high this bronze stake, bronze snake on a staff. And anyone that's been bitten by a poisonous snake that looks at that bronze snake, they will be healed. I mean, it sounds like something out of Indiana Jones, doesn't it? It doesn't sound like something you would expect to find in the Bible. But that's exactly what happened. And Numbers 21 says that everyone who looked at that snake, their life was spared. And here in John chapter 3, 1,500 years later, Jesus says to Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And I wonder if as Nicodemus gazed at that cross and he saw Jesus of Nazareth hanging from the cross, He remembered, oh, that's what Jesus was talking about. That he was going to have to hang on the cross. That he was going to have to die for the sins of many. A little bit further in John chapter 3, probably the most famous verse of John, maybe the most famous verse of the Bible. You can't go to a football game today without seeing someone holding up a sign that says what? John 3.16. Jesus utters these words, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And on that night so long ago when Jesus first uttered those words to Nicodemus, it sounded good, but my guess is it didn't connect. See, I believe at that point Nicodemus was a fan of Jesus Christ. He was a fan. He'd heard good things. He liked what he was seeing. And he wanted to know more. But on that Friday... As he saw Jesus dying a death he didn't deserve to endure, it all started to make sense. In John 3.16 it says, Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And my guess is that did not connect with Nicodemus. And my guess is that might not connect with you. 
In fact, if Nicodemus was being honest, he would have probably said, it's not whoever believes in him, it's whoever behaves in him. See, for Nicodemus, his idea of being in good standing with God the Father was doing lots of religious things, doing lots of good things. And before we beat up on Nicodemus, and before we beat up on the Israelites of centuries ago, Many of us have developed a similar theology. We've got our to-do list in order to be in right standing with God the Father. I've got to go to church. I've got to do some service. I've got to give some money. I've got to do some things. And Jesus said to Nicodemus 2,000 years ago, and Jesus the Christ says to you today, it's not about doing. It's all about being. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Nicodemus is mentioned three times in the Gospel of John. John chapter 3 is the longest encounter. In John chapter 7, in the midst of trying to arrest Jesus, the temple guards come home empty-handed because they were so captivated by Jesus' sermon of the day. Nicodemus defends Jesus in John chapter 7. But in John chapter 19, after Jesus died on the cross, he hung on the cross for six hours and he was taken down and a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body. He probably had to pay money to Pilate to get the body, but we learn from the Gospel of John that Nicodemus... Not Peter, not James, not John. But Nicodemus went with Joseph of Arimathea and they buried Jesus in a tomb that had never been inhabited in a way where there would be no doubt that he died and he was buried so that 2,000 years later we could show up on Sunday morning wearing our very best, many of us, and proclaim He is risen. He is risen indeed. See, that's the grace of God. That's the hope that Jesus Christ brings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul wrote a book to maybe the most messed up church that we know about in the first century, the church at Corinth. A lot of problems, a lot of mistakes, a lot of issues. And so for much of 1 Corinthians, Paul's kind of given the spiritual spanking to the Christians at Corinth. But in chapter 15, he says, before I end this book, I need to tell you what's most important. I need to tell you what is of first importance. And I want to put the scripture up on the screen. He said, here's what's most important, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He died for your sins, was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to to the scriptures. The death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus Christ equals the grace of God. It's a free gift. You can't earn it, but Jesus is waiting for you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul summarizes what What I think this message this morning really is all about, he says, God made him Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, to be sin for you, so that in him we might become, so that in him you can become the righteousness of God. Friends, we're all sinners. We all fall short of God's glory. 
If I said it's audience participation time, turn to your neighbor right now and share your most extreme sin in the last month, no one would want to do that because it's embarrassing. Because sin is embarrassing. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that he has provided us a way out. See, eternal life with God the Father isn't a reward for good people. Eternal life with God the Father is God's gift to forgiven people, to people who, like Nicodemus, make the transition a fan to sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. And we thank you for the hope that we have, not because we're good, not because we're awesome, not because we have nice clothes, not because we took a shower this morning and sprayed on expensive cologne. But we're blessed. We're saved. Only because of your son, Jesus Christ. Only because of the hope that he has brought. Today we celebrate his victory over death. And in doing so, we proclaim that he is the king He is our Lord. He is our Redeemer. We love you. We thank you for this gift we call grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I've asked Marsha Wise to come and sing maybe my favorite Easter song. And as she sings this song, if you have a decision to make for Jesus Christ, if you're not a Christ follower, if maybe you're just a fan from a distance, I invite you to come up. I'm going to be standing over in the corner by the fire extinguisher. And if you need prayer, Kent's up front. Adam Brucker, our youth minister, is going to be in the back. I'm going to be over on the side. We'd love to pray with you as Marsha blesses us with Redeemer. Who taught the sun where to shine in the morning? Who told the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till evening? Whose words alone can catch a falling star? Well, I Gentle hands that hold me well.
church. Amen. Let's just stay in remaining. We just want to enter into worship and just sing together songs of the resurrection.
love so bold to see a revolution somehow let love explode and bring the death to life let love so bold to see a revolution somehow now I'm lost in your freedom oh this world I'll overcome my God's not dead he's surely alive and he's living on the inside roaring like a lion my God's not dead he's surely alive and he's living on the inside roaring like a lion roaring 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 like a lion Let hope rise and make the darkness hide. My faith is dead. I need a resurrection somehow. Now I'm lost in your freedom. Oh, this world I'll overcome. Come on, church, let's sing it. My God's not dead, he's surely alive, and he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. My God's not dead, he's surely alive, and he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion, roaring, roaring, he's roaring like a lion, roaring, he's roaring, he's roaring like a lion. remember what Christ did on the cross. We're talking about the resurrection so much today, but before Sunday was Friday, before victory there was death, 
And praise God, there's resurrection too, but we want to remember what Christ did on the cross and the price that he paid as we, as we think of this sacrifice, what it means to us. Jesus paid it all, all to him. say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Oh, 
Amen. On this Easter morning, as we celebrate Christ's resurrection, we pause to come around the communion table, sometimes called the table of remembrance, lest you and I forget the cost of our sins. And I ask you this morning for these few moments to make it a very personal time. Take a walk around Calvary. Look into the eyes of Jesus. Listen to his voice. See his broken body, his shed blood. Remember the crown of thorns. And then tell yourself, for it is true, all this was for me. The Son of God loved me, gave himself up for me, because he lives. We too shall live. Father, it's just not a matter of a piece of bread and some grape juice. It's a time that we remember. A personal remembrance with a personal Lord who loved me and gave himself for us. Thank you is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
May we never forget the blessing.